0: I am. Um, uh, Brother John, are you the one kind of working the hallway to this morning? Uh, Brother Carl is. Um, just make sure we're getting started a little bit early, uh, earlier than the junior church folks would normally. Just, just tell them to come on in. They're not going to bother me. Come on in, folks. If you see somebody coming in, um, don't do this. Uh, just let them come in. They're going to come in, and and it, it could be you know six or eight, ten of them or something that that come in. Uh, but we're getting started just a little bit uh, before we normally do. So I want you to go to Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter eight. Nehemiah chapter eight. <clears throat> you know, I'll be honest with you. Sometimes uh, as I'm preparing a message, and God puts something on my heart, and and I don't know how other people do it. I really don't talk to other guys and find out how they do it, but. But uh, I just pray and, and whatever verse, thought comes to my mind, uh, then I just take it that that's what the Lord wants and sometimes he gives me that two or three weeks in advance, sometimes two or three days in advance and and I, and I just, I go for that. I, I start there. Several days ago this, no, I guess probably really a week and a half ago, God brought this truth into my mind. I wasn't sure exactly where he was going to take me with it or why I was going to be preaching it today. But, you know, sometimes I'll come in and I'll, I'll preach because uh, God just placed something on my heart. Sometimes I'll come in and I'll preach because, uh, you know, honestly, I know that there is a a need. And, uh, and, you know, usually if there's a need for one or two, then that probably equates out to... to Ten or twelve, or fifteen or twenty, that might have a similar need, and and as I as I you know counsel or talk or visit with people, then uh, just maybe a word or a statement or a concern may come across, and I think okay, the the word of God addresses this, so I'm going to try to deliver something as maybe an encouragement or a help. Today, I'm gonna just be real honest with you. I'm going. Uh, I'm God gave me this verse, this passage. And when i'm gonna preach today uh he gave it to me for me and uh and some others in the church and so uh, I'm going to you know, just to just let you know that another thing that i i like to like to say my my family probably knows this but um, <clears throat> I'm a very why I am, I don't know. I've talked to the Lord about it many times. Talked to Him again the last couple of days and said, Lord, you know, I, I, <clears throat> I'm sometimes almost too emotional. Uh, my dad termed it this way. He's, he, when my mom went to heaven, he came to me one day and he, he said, Son, you know, we just love too hard because it hurts too much. And... You know, I got a lot of my dad in me, and um, I love deeply. Um, We fall in love very quickly. Traveling for three and a half years was very hard, because we would go into a a church and we wouldn't know anybody, and two or three days later, we'd be in love with everybody. (laughs) and so uh it made it very hard to leave it made it very hard to to part that way um so this the the last couple of weeks especially is it's been it's been a day after day hard thing because i've i watched people that i love in the church have been been going through a lot and experiencing a lot and uh and so and then of course We've, you know, we and our family are kind of uh, are going through it also to some extent, not to the extent that, honestly, the Cummings family is, is uh, experiencing right now as, as they face this issue with the cancer and really don't know where it's spread and what it's done. So just that, that's a little, and I wanted to start a few minutes early just so I could kind of present that. And, and I do thank you again for, for being here, but Nehemiah chapter 8, I want you to look at verse 8, and we're going to, just three verses this morning, Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 8, and uh, do this for me, never mistaken emotion for discouragement or depression or anything like that, it's not. What I'm going to preach to you today is is the best I can, I'm going to show you what really is going on, or what God really does for you, but look at verse 8, it says, so they read in the book of the law of God, distinctly, and gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. You know this that that verse, and it's not where I'm going to stop. Not my message, but you don't know how much that is. Sort of, as far as my preaching is concerned, that's my life verse for preaching. I, I desire so much that in my preaching, teaching on Wednesday night, that when we look at the book of the law, that we look at it distinctly, and that we get the sense of it. And, and we understand what we're reading. That is my desire. And so if you ever pray for me, pray that verse that, that God will enable me to do that. Verse 9, it says, And Nehemiah, which is the Tershatha, and Ezra the priest, the, the scribe, and the Levites that taught the people, said unto all the people, This day is holy unto the Lord your God. Mourn not, nor weep, for all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. And, and, of course, they, they wept because, you know, they're hearing the words of the law. And when they do, and, and, and boy, this, is, again, is such a desire as, as we preach the Word of God. This is just not a formality to go through. If God speaks to your heart about something that should not be in your life or something that should be in your life, that ought to, that ought to do something to us. And you see the the these people they were they were hearing something they had never heard before, and they realized, oh my goodness we we've been living contrary to the Word of God, we've not been living the way the Word of God teaches us and and uh, and again, that's why we're going through the book of Romans verse by verse because on Wednesday night because it's so important that we learn what does God really say about how we should live and 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 so, but then it comes to, he tells them though, he says, but, but don't weep now. He says, this is a holy day. Uh, now your heart's broken because you've heard something, but watch, he's really about to encourage them that yes, you realize that you've not been li- but you, what basically I think he's about to tell them, okay, you didn't fully understand, but you have given your life to do the will of God now. Amen. And so he comes to him and he says, then he said unto them, go your way. Eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portions unto unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto our Lord. But listen to this, neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. It's times like these that we need strength. Miss, Miss Connie and your family, uh, day after day and night after night. And right now, our family, it's, it's, it's just a rotation of brothers that are, are going into the hospital. So somebody is there. And, and I've been spending most of the, the, the day, if from usually from about 11 to about 9 at night, uh, I spend. And then i got a brother that comes in at night to sit with that. Can I tell you, it begins to weary you emotionally watching them struggle to breathe, emotionally wondering what is going on and why is this continuing and why are they weakening and we can't really understand or even communicate and you, you struggle with it. But you know, God says right there, right there in that time when you're growing weary, he said, watch this, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Father, I pray that you bless this morning. Holy Spirit of God, please guide my thoughts and guide my mind. Dear God, help me to be an encouragement. Help me to be a blessing. But Lord, I can do nothing. So Spirit of God, I ask you to guide me through the scriptures and guide me to teach it as you would have it taught, that it would me a truth that we could apply it to our lives, and Spirit of God, I need you, and I yield to thee, and I and, and ask you to wrap your arms around this place, and keep us protected from the evil one, and Lord, uh, you said to praise your word, and you'd turn back the evil, you'd turn back that which would attack us, and Lord, your word is true, every promise is true, and we praise it, and we ask you to turn back our enemy, now that we could hear, and we could grow, and, and, and be what you would have us to be, please, in Jesus' name, amen. He says the joy of the Lord, the joy that God has is available to us. When, it, when he says the joy of the Lord, I want you to understand uh, there's two ways to read that, two ways to understand that. The joy of the Lord, uh, we, we look at it initially and we think, okay, the joy that God gives us, the joy that the Lord enables us to have, but it also can mean the joy that God has. The joy of the Lord is our strength. If you look at Hebrews chapter, you don't have to turn there, and I'm going to move pretty quickly. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Why? What? joy was set before jesus and 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 i'm gonna give you what i believe god placed on my heart and, and 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 you know somebody may add to this or may may differ on this but this just as i was reading and studying this is this what god placed on my heart what is this joy that was set before jesus well number one i believe it was a he was dying for the salvation of man and i believe the joy of the salvation of man luke 15:10 says likewise i say unto you there is joy in the presence of of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. And, and listen when it says there's joy in the presence of the angels, guess who's in the presence of the angels? God is. And God has joy over one sinner that repenteth. And so I believe that, that God has joy uh, when that he was, Jesus had this joy because he was about to return to the right hand of the Father. And, and it, it says, in, as we just read, Hebrews 12, 2, he says, despising the shame is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. He, he said, that joy was set before me. And you know what he was about to do? When he arose from the grave, he's going back to the right hand of the Father. And number three, I believe, to fulfill the will of the Father brought joy to, to, the, to the Lord. Hebrews 1, nine says, Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore God, even thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. I believe doing the will of God. Uh, for, and that's what Jesus came to do. He came to do the will of the Father. And then verse, in the number four, it says, I, I put down this, to have a relationship with those which, for which he died. I believe that brings him joy. And Isaiah sixty-five nineteen says, and I will rejoice in Jerusalem and joy in my people. He gets joy out of us. He gets joy out of us that we've trusted him and that we follow him. We believe in him. Now, what brought, I want you to get this now, what brought joy to the, to the heart of Jesus will bring joy to us. A wonderful byproduct of having the joy that God gives us, though, is in our context is is to have strength to go on. It's a byproduct of of this joy that Jesus has that we can have. The joy that God has that we can have. And it's just an incredible byproduct. He said, if you really have that joy, he said, I'm going to give you strength to continue on. You know what? Strength in any situation. Strength in, in 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 any circumstance, and can I tell you, I, we have not been we in our family have not been through what a lot of people throw through. I mean, we sometimes think what we have endured is something uh, uh, severe. Or, you know, but when you really look at the rest of the world and you look at what, what through history, what Christians have had to endure, you think, okay, we're so minimal, it's, it's incredible. But, but, but as, as we have faced the adversities that have come to, to me and come to our family and come to our children and come to, to our lives and extended family... Uh, as we face that, and even as a church family, and then before this, when I uh, had an adult Sunday school class for about twelve years, there was a couple hundred people, and, and as they, as you had that, and you and you you hurt, and you go through, you think, man, it just anybody ever heard when it rains it pours? Amen. I you know, it, it just seemed like okay, it it doesn't. You think if it could just come and it would be spaced out. But you know, know, you'll kind of ride that mountain and top, and boy, and all of a sudden, but when you start down that other side, you just keep rolling for a while, and it just keeps coming and keeps coming. How do you find strength to go on? Well, God says, the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The Lord has joy, and we saw some things that bring joy to the heart of God. Now, this joy that God has, though, he says, can also be our joy. This joy that God has will make full our joy. The world can give joy. Entertainment, even family can give us some measure of of joy. But the joy of the Lord fills us with joy and strengthens us. John 15, 11 says, these things have I spoken unto you that, might, that my joy might remain in you. That's what he says now. These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. Now, what he's saying is remain in you and joy might be full. He's talking about a continuous filling of joy. He, said, he says, available us remain means it will continue in us. Joy might be full is the fullness of joy. But how can I have this continuous and full joy? Now, one of the first things that I, I did, and, and I do this often, is I, you know, I went to Webster's 1828 Dictionary, and I looked up uh, the definition of joy. And it said this, it said, joy is a delight of the mind from the, listen to this, from the consideration of the present or assured approaching possession of a good in the future. Do you know that's what we have? When we really consider who we are in Christ, no matter what you're going through, you can still have joy. No matter what's happening, you can still have joy. You know, it is an amazing thing that when when I walk from hospital room to hospital room there at the hospital yesterday and see both these men and pray with both these men, when when I go from place to place, you know the fact is, the present for them physically doesn't look good, but the present right now, they have an eternal home in heaven already sealed up. That is joy. That's incredible joy. And watch this, it's not just the present, but that means the moment that either one may take that last breath. They take their first breath in heaven for all eternity, the future looks pretty good also. Now, how can I have this joy in the darkest hour? How can I have this joy when, even when it seems everything is piling up? How can I have this joy when when sorrow wants so badly to invade my heart? How can I have this present and this ever-present joy? Jesus said, These things have I spoken unto you that my joy would be in you. You know, Jesus said, "I just spoke some things to you so that you could have my joy." And folks, those that come to church here very often, you know, this is the way my brain works. A long, long time ago, uh, they, you know, I, I'd been only about six months on the police department when they, and I'd gone to the academy and things had gone well there, and so I, I came uh, came out, and very shortly after that, they they did something they never do; they put me into the detective division and uh, And for training and 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 all, all my degree, everything that I've done, and then that training, I, I really when I came into the Christian work, I thought, okay that 's all the past that 's all gone and man, what I find now is that God does the same thing in the Bible, man, he just lays out the evidence, he lays out procedures and here 's what we have: How can I have this fullness of joy, this continuous joy? And this word full literally means, when, when I looked at this word full, God's talking about that we can be full of joy is what he just said. He said. But that literally means to be crammed in as much as possible. God says that I will cram into you as much joy as your old body can hold. Now that's pretty amazing. In your darkest moment, God will cram into you joy. How would you like to be full of joy? Joy unspeakable, the scripture talks about, and full of glory. The answer is in John fifteen eleven, when it says, "These things have I spoken unto you." So, as I do often, let's go back to these things. Go back to verse one, verse one of John chapter fifteen, and what we're going to do. It's kind of this is this you know. Sometimes I say on Sunday morning I'm going to preach a Sunday night message. Sometimes. Uh, this is, this is going to kind of shift into a little bit of a Wednesday night uh, type of teaching. But, but it's just, to me, it's so important that we understand the things that are available to us. And God has procedures that, it, that if we will just obey and follow, we can have what He promises that we'll have. See, God didn't throw out this, these statements and, and not really mean it. He says, I wrote these things unto you that you might have joy and and that your joy would remain in you, that your joy would be full. He said, I told you this so that you could have my joy. And watch this, if you have the joy of Christ, that's why it has to be crammed in. Because he's got so much joy, we can't hardly contain that. Uh, We can't do that. But he says, watch this, he's going to cram in everything he can of his joy. And and let me just help you, there's still going to be a lot left over. Verse 1, it says, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it might bring forth more fruit. Now, you think, man, that, how does that bring you joy? Because either, either he's going he, to uh, take it away or he's going to purge it. But listen, it, what the truth is, is God says if you want to continue in his joy, you want to have the joy of Christ. The, one of the first things, and, and it's a great example this morning, Uh, Precious is here today, and God bless you, don't want to bless you, but Brother Jesse and his wife were out here uh, yesterday, I think, and got to meet Precious, and and Precious uh, had an opportunity to meet Jesus Christ yesterday, and watch this, let me tell you, that brings joy to Brother Jesse's heart, I barely got in the door when he came to me, you got to meet Precious. I'm thinking, what are you talking about? Are you calling me precious? What? And he brought me to me. What? That listen. We think, oh, I gotta, I gotta do this for God, or God won't be happy. No, God says, if we will bring, we'll have fruit for him, that brings us joy. Yes. He gets joy, of course, because he has joy over one sinner repented, but he said, Listen, that joy is put in me. I'll pack it in you. And if you've ever helped somebody, if you've ever talked to somebody about Christ, if you've ever done something for somebody that made a difference in their life, listen to me, I guarantee you, you walked away with some measure of joy in your heart. Now, look at verse 3. Verse 3 says, Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. So... God says that if we're going to have joy, He gives us this procedure. But we are to allow the Word of God to cleanse our life. Very simple. Listen to me, the cleaner you are today, and nobody in here is perfect, nobody's above anybody, nobody's better than anybody, I don't care how, how, how much you lived a wonderful week this week, or wonderful day today, you, there's no sinner in here above all other sinners, and, and I'm going to keep saying this, because my wife loves this statement, and we heard it from our old preacher a long time ago, but it's, a, it's crazy for one piece of dirt to call another piece of dirt, dirt. Okay, so the fact is, is that that we are all we are all sinners. But watch this now, individually. Watch this: if you let the Word of God cleanse you, the more you finally get some controlling, some inhibiting sin out of your life, the more you get rid of it. Let me just tell you: the greater joy you have. Because don't you, look, you're lying to yourself if you know something's wrong and you keep going back to it. That's right. Because here's how you do it. you go back to it, and the whole time you're in it, you're going, I hate this, I don't want to be here, I don't want to do this, and I'm doing it. There's no joy there. But you watch this. You come over and you overcome that to the word of God. Whew. Listen, from where I came from, you don't you just don't even understand. Uh, uh, what the the garbage that that I I came from and the garbage that I came out of? Uh, that, that, listen, uh, do you understand that that the old devil tried to throw that in my face for for years and tried to control me with things for years? But listen, uh, can can I tell you that when when I went for a week and, and I overcame, and then two weeks, and then two months, and then two years, it, suddenly when you can realize something that used to control you no longer does, whoa, that's joy. We are to allow the Word of God to cleanse our life of sin and attitudes that are contrary to the Spirit and sins and attitudes that will keep us from seeing others come to Christ. And that's what God's talking about here. And He said, if you do that, He said, every step you take, letting the Word of God cleanse you, brings greater joy into you. He's cramming in more. Every time you read the Word of God and you let it change you, God says, got some more for you. Look at verse 4. He said, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. We are to abide, remain, continue in our relationship and submission to Christ. Abiding in Christ is a relationship, not a duty. It is a wonderful opportunity rather than an obligation. It is spending time talking to God with the desire you have to spend time with the person. Okay, it's spending time talking to God, being with God, abiding in his word. Like you, if you love somebody right now and you just love being alone with them and you just love speaking to them, can I tell you, that's just a little picture of what God says he wants you to do with him. He wants you to just love to be with him and abide in his word and abiding in him. And God says, because you got to understand, without him, you can do nothing. I don't care how many hours I take preparing. I don't care how much I study. I don't care what, if I get up here without God, I'm doing nothing. Verse 6. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. We've got to come to the realization that the failure to abide in Christ is failure to have joy of God in our lives. We really have to understand that if we don't abide, to whatever extent we really abide in Christ, to that extent our joy increases. To whatever extent we fail to abide in Christ, and I will say it again to you, and this is why I stress, I've got some. And some people never tell you to who. I, I'm glad to do this for anybody, but I've got some people that they they write me or text me or call me uh, in some way, shape, form, or fashion just to say each day that they that they've read their Bible, that they've uh, uh, that they prayed. Now, why am I why am I doing that? I, I'm just trying to help them to build into their life a a. a a situation where they where they have a daily interaction with God a daily relationship with God because that there will come a time where they, honestly, they won't need to be accountable to me because if they just keep doing it and they find out how sweet it is and how good it is and how much it blesses them and how much joy brings to their heart, you know what, they won't need to be accountable to me and they don't need to, they, they, it helps them. But you know what they'll be? They will be somebody that somebody can be accountable to. And that brings you joy. Every time I get a text or something from one of these people, it brings me just a little joy. It brings me joy to know that they're walking with God today, that they're talking to God today. You say, oh, well, what if they're just going through a ritual? Listen, let me just tell you, you got to start somewhere. Realize that the failure to abide in Christ is a failure to have joy of God in our lives. In the trials of life, we will crumble as ashes in a fire if we do not abide in Christ. Verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. We are to abide in, in God in faith faith in His Word, faith in prayer. This kind of abiding gives us joy for the future, even when the future looks bleak and dark and discouraging. Again, when you're in your darkest time, can I tell you, if you're abiding in Christ, it gives you a confidence in prayer that you don't have if you're not abiding. If you are spending time with God, and, and again, it's past a ritual. It's just, it's. I go and spend my my real, cru- real real, private time with God at night. And no matter what happens, as the night starts to go on to you know nine or ten o'clock at night, and no matter who's there, no matter what's going on, it, I start to feel like something's doing this toward the door. I just start to feel like something's pulling. You know what that pulling is? It's that desire to be with my God, alone with Him. Out in this creation where I can raise my arms and praise Him. Out in the darkness where nobody sees me, and if they do, they just think some weird dude's out there. It pulls. And can I tell you, when you have that time with the Lord, and when it's reached that point where when that time comes, there's a compelling. When you come to a dark time and you fall to your knees, You go to him in confidence, not confidence in yourself. Okay. If I had a serious need right now, everybody in here I know to different levels, and depending on how well I know you is how confident I would be at coming to you saying, I need this. Say I need some money, and I do. (laughs) But say I need some money. Depending on how well I know you will be how much confidence that I have that if you could, that you'd be willing to help me. The less I know you, there's... Some of you, I know so little, I'd be afraid to even come to you. I'd be embarrassed to ask you. Because you'd be looking and saying, I would feel like, you think, what in the world are you doing asking me? Are y'all catching the parallel here? I've said this for years, but I believe that man laying on the hospital over there. If I needed him, if it was his last dime, or if I just needed him, if he had to, had no other way to get to me but to start walking. At 87 years old, he would start walking. You know why? Because I know him that well. I know him. And watch this. I know him so well that I know he knows me. And that kind of relationship, we're not hindered in asking somebody for their help. And when you have that kind of relationship with God, I'll be honest with you, you're just not hindered in asking Him. You're not embarrassed to ask Him. You're not coming saying, God, I know you don't even want to hear from me, but I don't know where else to go, so I'm going to come, and I don't think you want to hear from me, so I know you're not going to answer me. And Well, that's no joy in that. That's discouragement, depression. But when you've had a relationship with him and continue a relationship with him, you can go to him and say, Lord, I know you're going to hear. Oh, you may not choose to raise him up out of the bed. You may not, but listen to me. Watch this. I still know he heard. I know he hears. If you look at verse 8, Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. We become disciples of Christ as we live to glorify Christ and as we demonstrate the fruit of Christ. To be a disciple of Christ expresses a relationship that is deep and real and is a relationship that will bring you to and keep you in joy because you have a confidence in that relationship verse 9 is the father hath loved me so have I loved you and continue continue ye in my love continue in the love of God by loving God and loving your brother and loving God's truth and loving God's Word and God says I, I, the father loved me so have I loved you continue in my love he said if you really abide with me and you continue in my love he said again you're gonna have joy no matter what you're going through verse 10 it says if you keep my commandments you shall abide in my love even as i've kept my father's commandments abide in his love tells us that verse 10 tells us how to continue in god's love we abide in god's love in our actions not just in our words we are to demonstrate love by the keeping of the commandments of christ for if we love him we will keep his commandments and we will understand his love and listen uh, People stray from this, but God says, if you really want to feel comfortable and, and, and able to come to me about anything and able to walk away full of the joy that I have, he said, you got to listen to me and do what I tell you. And God knows we're imperfect. I told him last night as I was walking praying, I said, God, you know I'm just a piece of flesh. And I fail you so often, but God, you know my desire is to do your will. Verse 11, these things have I spoken unto you that that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. This is a life lived for Christ, not a life of religion, not a life of spiritual convenience, but a life sincerely lived in a relationship to Jesus Christ. And God says, no matter what you're going through, you got joy. Joy of God, joy of Jesus will be packed into you no matter what you're facing. It's a life of sincerity, of of a love for God and a desire to please God brings you this joy. How you walk day by day affects your joy day by day. In trying times, this is my my result of all this I just said, in trying times, I'm going to challenge you. This is what I'm doing, and I told you this is for me. This is not for anybody else. In trying times, seek Him more. In trying times, search His Word more. In trying times, talk to Him more. Trying times, trust Him more. In trying times, obey Him more. And what you'll find is you'll find a peace and comfort that leads you to joy in the most difficult of times. Because that closeness that this procedure brings to you with Christ can't do anything but leave you at a peace that leads you to joy. Amen. It's wonderful to know God and to know Jesus and to know His presence and to know His Word. And none of us know it perfectly, none of us have it all together, none of us, I, I'm not saying that, and please don't misunderstand me, this is, I'm not saying that I got it all together, I fail so much, it's, it's ridiculous, I, I, I know, I, I'm, I'm so far short of what God wants all of us to, to be, and will be one day when, we, when we're in his presence, but I desire, I got my daughter here, and I, I think she knows this. I failed as a father so many times. But I believe my children always knew that I wanted, I desired to be the right kind of daddy, to be to be the right kind of husband. God's not looking at you at where you are and saying, nope, you fall short. Well, we all do, and we did before we ever started this thing. No, He's looking at your heart's desire for where you're going. So, my question is do you know Jesus? Of course, do you know Him as Savior? But do you know Him? Do you really know Him? Scripture says that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection. No one else can promise you continual joy, only Jesus. And can I tell you this? Anybody that promises, there's no one else that could fulfill that promise other than Jesus. So my challenge is... Please, whatever you're going through, don't in doubt turn away from God. Turn away from Christ. Turn away from the Word of God. When you're going through the dark times and the dark trials, that's exactly when you need to turn to Him. That's when you need to spend more time with Him. That's when you need to just say, Lord, I love you and I know you love me. And you're going to take care of things. And folks, having that confidence is joy. Is joy. And watch this. I didn't say much about it. But that joy is what gives me the strength to go on. Just keep going on. Keep going on. Father, I pray that you bless, Lord Jesus.